Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. And welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Some of you have said to me on podcasts, you know, Matt, my niche is focusing on women. That's not a niche. It's 51% of the population. It's actually the majority of people on this planet. But today we're going to dive into how you could actually focus a lot more on women in an area that is very, very important and I believe is entirely underserved. Allison Jeffries is a divorce coach and author of A Woman's Guide to Surviving Divorce, A Woman's Guide to Surviving Divorce. She's also at the end. I want everybody to hang into the end because she's going to give away something uh, that we'll have linked in the show notes. But uh, And I was reading it to prepare for this. And if you know anybody who's been through a divorce, if you've been through a divorce, no, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you'll see yourself uh, in these questions. She's really created this magnificent spreadsheet that will help you navigate conversations. But Allison, let's, let's start at the beginning. What are you doing? I mean, how did you get here? Uh, why, why are you, uh, why did you publish this book and why did you want to become a divorce coach? Well, I published the book as a personal passion project. We all go through life. Everybody has one book in them, but I think the important part to that story is how did we get to the book? So I had a 35 year career in the corporate world, worked for fortune 100 companies, Merrill Lynch, Prudential, Citigroup. Wells Fargo, worked in the financial sector, worked in the securities area at Citigroup, was uh, managed a part of the country educating financial advisors on how to work with women in a group called Women and Company. During that time, um, it was in the middle of all the changes in the laws and regulations around financial advisors and tracking and, and documenting. And all of a sudden I had one month to take my seven and get it to continue to do my job. I did it. Couldn't believe it, but I did it. They told me I had to take it. I figured whether I failed or not, at least I'd taken it, but passed. So I did have my seven, had my 65, loved the education of how women relate to money my degree is in psychology, so that was right up my alley. Really worked a lot on the difference in how women approach things, how we make decisions, how we manage or don't manage our money, those barriers between ourselves and money, the cultural issues, the professional issues, and, and all of those things that men had a hard time understanding about their women clients and why it was important to work with them left that career and honest to goodness, being a financial advisor was something I never wanted to do. So I let all that go. I went back into the corporate world and at a certain point in my life, I had a chance to stop, breathe, think about what I wanted to be. I was on my second divorce and it was kind of one of those things where you go, hmm, common denominator here would be uh, me. So I had to fix that because I'm a big believer in marriage and I like men. So it was a, it was a self-revelation process, did a lot of writing. It became the book mm -hmm. and it is a fictitious version of what a woman experiences when faced with divorce, 
based on those common cultural and thinking process things that are totally women that we do. And so that's where I am. Okay. Why do, why should financial advisors care? Why should insurance agents care? Why should financial advisors care? Why is this such an important focus for people who have discussions surrounding money? Well, you know, as you said, women are 51% of the population. I don't know. That math works for me. The other reason it, and I think is more critical to a financial advisor is back when I was at women and company years ago, we always cited that statistic that by 2015, 50% of us wealth was going to transition into the hands of women. Well, guess what? It's happened. So whether women have come up with all this money through death, divorce, or the old fashioned way we earned it, we control a larger percentage of the investable assets in this country. But because of the cultural barriers, because of the social mores that women have been raised with, if we're anything over 25 to 30 years old, we might not be managing them very effectively. And it just makes sense to me if you're a financial advisor to understand how to speak to women to get them engaged in manning their, managing their money. Now, do you think this is a foundation for greater conversations or does the book and does your coaching only help with the divorce aspects of communicating more effectively with women? I think it helps more effectively with communicating with women across the board because it helps you understand women. The book was written for women, but written in such a way that a man can read it get a lot out of it and maybe kind of point, highlight or point those things that, oh, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. So it, it is a male-friendly book. Okay. That's the good news. Would you give me um, an example? So so let, let's talk about that. So you, you've had men read the book. I mean, you, you have a, a, mm-hmm. a very robust coaching company. Uh, you've worked with women in company. You've, you've obviously worked with a lot of male financial advisors to help them understand how to communicate more effectively through this. Can you give us an example of, of a difference, right? Of, of, well, I would look at it this way, a man would look at it this way, and here's how we bridge that gap. Okay, so I've got two really quick ones. The first one is, of course, why do women stop and ask for directions? I, I'm not saying why don't men, I'm saying why do women? We stop. You don't know what it is we ask when we run into that convenience store. And yes, we have a GPS. And yes, we got wrote a map down before we left. We did all of that. But when we run in that convenience store, the questions we ask are, am I on the right road? And if I keep heading this direction, will I get to my destination? Okay, so that's not asking for directions. That's validating our position in the equation. So for women, and especially as a financial advisor, you're going to make a really good recommendation to your client and they don't respond. They don't do anything and you don't know why. Well, because they have to validate their choice. And if they don't have a source to validate with, they don't take action. They who, stop. They pull over. Who, who, who is that validation source, though? Is, is it supposed to be the advisor? Is it somebody else in the financial advisor's office? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a significant other? Where, where are women looking for that validation of the advice that the financial advisor might be giving? Well, you're sure hoping they're not going out and finding their own validation source because ultimately that will become another financial advisor. Sorry. 
the reality is you give them the advice and then you've got to give them some information that speaks to them and their goals that they can look at and review and then take that information to someone that they trust to review the information you've provided them for the validation. Okay. Huh. You have no, what was the other example? The other example is my favorite saying, it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. I swear that saying was made up by a man because the reality is if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going somewhere and I'm changing my clothes and my husband's thinking I have changed my mind again on what I'm going to wear. The truth for me is I don't even know if I'm going, if I don't know what I'm wearing. Okay. So I've not changed my mind. I just haven't made it up yet. I'm going through all the iterations and choices. Hmm. And so that's a very big difference between the way women make decisions and men make decisions, you know, for men. And, and I can go back into anthropology if you want me to. But for men, decisions are very linear. Mm -hmm. They're boom, decision to be made. I need a pair of shoes. I go to the mall. I buy the same size, the same pair. I can have them delivered to my house and I'm done. Mm -hmm. Decision made, very militaristic. The decision is the goal. And you're shaking your head like that makes sense to you. Yes, that doesn't make sense to me. No. Huh. Because I'm a woman. Uh Back in anthropology times, I was the gatherer. I was the one responsible for everybody. I was the one responsible for the kids, the home, the husband who's gone, all of it. So for me, I have to assess all of the factors. I have to assess all of the people that this decision impacts. I have to think through all of the iterations, all of the possible outcomes, because when it's all said and done, I have to come up with the perfect decision Because when I was back in that cave, if it wasn't the perfect decision, I had to sit and watch everyone suffer or die. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to take you on a tangent here, and I hope you don't mind the tangent. But, well, it's my show. I guess I'm allowed to take you on a tangent if I want to. But you just said something that really triggered a a thought pattern here. So, So as women become more successful in the corporate world, which you were, right? So you had a a great Mm -hmm. level of success in the corporate world. It's interesting to me because I will hear men say that they're thinking more like a man, but based on your experience, do successful women, the primary breadwinners or whatever level of success that they've achieved, generally primary breadwinners, do they have an easier or more difficult time going through the divorce process? I, I don't know where else to go with that. Help help me with that because you would think, I would think as a as an ignorant male, that you know, oh, you know, you're C suite person, you know, you're swimming with the sharks, but you're still making decisions in the way that you're making them. And you're the primary breadwinner. How does that all revolve around and make the divorce process and the conversation different? On the surface, it looks like it would be easier because in the corporate world, quite frankly, the corporate world is structured around the man's world. Men develop corporate America. Decisions are made very linearly. There's a process. Successful women, we've not learned how to not be women. We just learned how to think both ways. We know how to think male corporate from the business perspective. But the reality is when it comes to us and our lives, we are women. And so for corporate women, professionally successful women, 
they struggle more with divorce because here I've had all of this great professional success. I've made the money. I've had the job. I've wowed the boss. I've done whatever it was. But yet at the core of my being as a woman, I have failed at the one thing that I was going to do was be happily married. I failed as a wife, which means I failed as a mother. And I don't know how to reconcile the two because then I start blaming myself that the failure was at the expense was because of the job. My marriage suffered at the expense of the job. So while it would seem on the surface that the professionally successful woman would have it easier, there's a whole lot more baggage there that has to be undone. What, what do you do about that? I mean, you're a divorce coach, right? I mean, so, so you have a background in psychology and you've helped a whole bunch of people. That, that seems to me, Allison, like a like some seriously heavy baggage. I mean, how, how do you... What do you do? Well, it's kind of a three, three-step process. First of all, you got to go backwards and figure out what were you thinking? What, what did you think marriage was going to be? What was your dream? Because there's a saying out there, you know, divorce is the death of a dream you thought was going to last. Yeah, marriage is. Yeah. Anyway, so the point being, you had a dream. You had a vision. This was your marriage. Now, how many people on this earth, their marriage actually lives up to that expectation? Very few. Okay, zero. I'll go with that. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's different. And sometimes it's worse. And so it's looking at, okay, so now I'm warning. Women grieve. When their marriage ends, they grieve. Now, we understand a woman grieving when her husband passes away. But when you get your divorce... That man you were married to is no less gone than if he passed away. And if he is still around, it's antagonistic. And unfortunately, what most women don't realize is what they're grieving is a man that maybe never existed. Ooh. And so I I work on, on three aspects of where you came from and how it affects where you are, where you are. And how to own what's yours to own and let go of what's not yours to own. And then redefining who you want to be and how you're going to get there. And creating that life that meets your expectations on your own terms. Well, I'm going to ask you a tough question. What is the difference between being a divorce coach and being a divorce therapist? Bunch of years in college. (laughs) Okay, on paper, I will absolutely give you that. But how how do you maintain coaching integrity without crossing the therapeutic line? For me, coaching is about helping people make their own decisions. I will not tell a woman what to do. I will not judge her. It's up to her to know what's right for her. I'm just there to help her figure out what is right for her and how to make it happen. Whereas a therapist can diagnose, can treat, can make recommendations. I don't care what a woman does with her life. I'm not a life coach. I don't wanna work with them for the rest of their lives. I just wanna work with them for this finite period of time to get them back on their feet and get them moving forward. So I'm able to be that non-judgmental place that they can go, that they can say whatever they want to say and not be judged 
but I asked the tough questions. What did you mean by that? Why would you have said that? What I hear what you're saying, but you're not telling me the truth, which means you're not telling yourself the truth. What is the truth? Hmm. And I, I'm pretty blunt and I'm pretty direct, but I help women dig down into their motivations and what caused them to get where they are or struggle with what they're struggling with, which I think is different than therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you for answering that. I think it's important for people to understand that there is a professional line that is drawn there. Uh, and I think that there mm-hmm. are coaches who don't abide by that line, but I see that you do, which, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, as a person who actually mm-hmm. was a therapist and a life coach, uh, there, there were a lot of people who blurred those lines. Now, of course, that was a long time ago, and I think it's gotten a lot better now. Mm-hmm. But, but with that, so, so this mirror-esque approach of reflecting back to people, uh, to women who are going through this, asking them the tough questions, what, do you, what sort of advice do you have for a woman who is newly separated couching this question that I'm sure that there are financial services professionals who are listening to this podcast who have just had this happen, right? Somebody either themselves Mm -hmm. or somebody in their book of business is going through a divorce or has just recently gone through a divorce. What sort of advice would you have for, for those women and then for the advisor to make the best of the situation if possible? Okay. For women, when you're dealing with her on the female aspect as a woman, Let's take away her job. Let's take away everything else. She's going through a separation and divorce. She has been stripped bare. She is a woman. The one thing she needs the most is that community to support her, that could, whether it be a community of women. And when it comes to her money, she needs that team. She needs to know who's on her team. The team needs to be working together. So when I work with someone that's going through a divorce, because I work with professionally successful women, it's okay. They're freaking out about their money. Here's the reality. When I worked at Women and Company, I went around the country and I talked to rooms full of women. It didn't matter if they had $500,000, $1 million, or $20 million. Most women don't ever know they have enough. They're always worried they don't have enough. So one of the things I look at is, okay, yeah, we got to find a good attorney. So we're going to work on that. Who's managing your money for you? Because they're always worried about money. And I know if you are a dentist and you own your own business, I'm not worried about you having money, but she's worried about having the money. How do I get her confident and feel secure? That means who's your financial advisor? What are they doing for you? Here's some questions you need to ask. Let's, let's go back to them. Let's get that security. And if they don't have a financial advisor, we need to get them one. So it's about creating that team between the attorney, the financial advisor. You know, if they've got some bigger issues other than just getting through the divorce, we get a therapist involved. You go get a therapist. Okay. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the divorce. And then we create that team that surrounds them that works together to get them where they need to be. There was a a book that was handed to me by a financial advisor when I was at Women & Company, A Girl Girl Needs Cash, written by a woman named Joan Perry. In her book, she said, when it comes to women and money, you need to think of three things, security, security, and community. The first is security for herself. Can she support herself in the lifestyle she'd like to live, without becoming a burden on her children or anyone else. Second, does she have security for her family? Does she have what she needs to get her kids through college 
or send her, you know, take care of her mom who's aging. And the reality is many women raid their retirement account to take care of other people. And the thing is, the woman may have that security, but if she doesn't know she has it, it doesn't matter. It, she might as well have $2 in the bank. She has to know she has that security. And that's where that financial advisor has to be crystal clear with her. Okay. But when those two needs are met and she knows she's personally and family secure, then she wants to focus on her community. Every woman has a cause. And if you want to get a woman engaged in managing her money, because we don't think it's, it's not a woman thing to want more. Yes, we all want more money. I get that on the surface. But as a woman, more money is just more money. It's what we can do with it that motivates us. Because if I don't have, know if I have enough at 20 million, I won't know if I have enough at 40. So it's about motivating me to look at money in a way that's meaningful to me. Each woman has a cause or a community that she wants to support. And when you can get her past the security and focused on that community to let her see what her money can do, you've got her moving forward. And, and there's an example I can give on that if, if you don't mind if I share it, Matt. Yeah, no, that'd be okay. fantastic. Please do. Okay, so a lot of the time when I was out there working at Women & Company, we ended up talking to charities. They got a lot of their money, female-focused charities, got a lot of their money from women, and I heard the same story over and over and over again. We just got this check for a million dollars. We looked at it. Of course, we want to know who the donor is. We don't know who they are. We checked through our records. We've been getting a check for $500 a year from the last 20 years from this person. We find out we got this million-dollar donation bequeathed to us in her will. So how sad is it that a woman spends her whole life that passionate about a charity that she put that big amount in her will, but never had the satisfaction throughout her life of doing more than writing that little check that flew way under the radar of that organization? But you have to have those first two needs met before you go there with the community. And that to me is, I've had a lot of discussions over the years uh, with philanthropic, ph philanthropic minded financial advisors, but I don't ever think I've heard it put that clearly and succinctly because what I will see uh, in the advisors I used to work with, Allison, is they go right for number three. But since they didn't cover the first two bases of the security, uh, the personal and the familial security, that they were wondering why they would strike out so much. And you just hit the nail on the head there. And as we wrap up today's podcast, you have a chapter in the book that talks about faith. And as you and I were preparing for this podcast, so if many of you know that I do pre-interviews with people uh, just because I kind of want to have a good show, right? And uh, and I also have an opportunity to get to know the, the guest a little bit better and a little bit more deeply. The way that you defined this and how important it was to every woman's journey was very fascinating to me. So would you mind talking about that before we wrap up today? Sure. The find your faith chapter is in the middle of the book. It's kind of, you know, you got the beginning, you got the middle, you got the end. It's right there after you get done with the grieving, right before you're ready to start taking care of business and moving forward. 
And for me, that point in the journey is pivotal to success. And for most women, it's about faith. And the line from that chapter that I, that I call upon the most is when I say to a woman, your children believe in you. Your children have faith in you. What do you have faith in? It's the one chapter that I made my husband read because it was the most important chapter in the book to me. The rest of it, I didn't care if he read, hmm. but that was the chapter he had to read. But that, and I think, okay, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. That's just couching that word in a very, very different sense in my mind. But what a powerful question to ask. I, I bet you if you walked around on the street or were having drinks with friends and you asked them that question, Allison, I think there'd be some, some gray matter on the table. I think you'd blow people's minds. As a coach, how do you help them arrive at that? Well, everyone believes in something and everyone needs something bigger than themselves um, to keep them going, you know, get you up in the morning and get you to sleep at night because otherwise it would be really way too scary for women. But for me, it's not about what I believe. I have my faith. I'm very strong in it. It's what gets me through the day. I can't imagine a day without it. But what I like to do is understand the woman's faith. So I have clients that are Hindu, that are Jewish, that are Islamic, all different faiths. And so I ask them to explain to me what their faith is. And for many of them, it's, it's a process through the divorce where they've fallen away from it. They've sinned, they've erred, they've made the mistake, someone else hurt them and made the mistake. And they've given up on it. So it's about helping them find the root of that faith for themselves and what their faith does for them and help them put it back into practice in their everyday life, as well as in their plan for the future, how they need that faith to help them prioritize and set values and make a plan. Because when I get done, I like for a woman to have a, a two-year and a five-year plan for her future. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean she have to live up to it, but at least she's got a map. Right. Now, speaking of maps and speaking of some of the great resources that you have, we're going to put uh, this PDF that you have, which is called Turning Chaos into Confidence in the Midst of Divorce, Five Critical Conversations You Have with Your Women Clients. Now, my clients, my, my listeners can have that, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Uh, by the way, this this is you, everybody needs to download this. You you need to have it handy because every financial services professional is going to have these conversations and there's some really amazing suggestions. Uh, it's it's interesting because this is actually kind of linear. Like you were talking about that earlier. It's this linear A plus B equals C sort of equation here, which will make a lot of sense to a lot of our listeners. So there's number one. But number two, if somebody wants to, I don't engage you in any way, shape, or form, what sort of things should they engage you in? And what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, the best way for them to get in touch with me, and I put it at the bottom of that sheet, is the link to my website, to the actual coaching page, to the actual schedule a time with me to talk. And what that's for is whether it's, let's look at your book of business. Let's look at your exposure within your women clients, or it's, I have a particular client. This is what I'm dealing with. 
what should we do? So that's there. I'm, I'm there to kind of do a deeper dive into your business and how this can affect, whether it be on the individual client level or your overall book of business, how to use this for marketing yourself, attracting new clients, the two biggest goals, keep the business you've already got and attract new clients. When you learn to speak to a woman in a way she wants to hear and kind of odd, but real for most I know there's that whole thought of, oh, she's a woman. She's going to want a woman financial advisor. For a lot of us in the age bracket that I'm in, I kind of want to work with a man. I don't know why. It's just the way I was culturalized. Sure. And so for a lot of us, we are comfortable working with a man. We just want him to know how to speak woman when I need it. Now, if somebody has and, a podcast, I didn't ask you this ahead of time, and I apologize for interrupting, but you just totally triggered something that I want to say before it leaves my brain. If a financial advisor has a podcast, could they have you as a guest to talk to their clients about going through a divorce? Would you be open and interested in, in maybe doing some of that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. So for those of you who do have a podcast, which seems to be a growing number of financial services professionals, and if you want to show how truly unique and different and how open you are to new educational opportunities and how to truly connect with the majority of the population, uh, and by the way, what there's some crazy statistics, and I'm not going to get them right, but a, a substantial amount of women you know, are going to uh, be solely responsible for their finances uh, at some point in their life, and then there's another insanely high number that like... 75% of them leave their husband's financial advisor. So if you want to retain those assets, but even more importantly, do good work, please, please reach out to Allison. This was super fun. Are there any questions I should have asked you that I didn't? The only thing I'm going to just throw some statistics out there real quick. Why is this important? We've all heard the statistic 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. Okay. Yep. That's the way it works. First marriages, 41%. How many people in America are on their first marriage or second marriage or third marriage? Second marriages end in divorce, 60%. Third marriages, 71% or 73%. Gray divorce, while the average numbers of divorces across the United States have been going down over the last 20 years, over the last 20 years, divorces for women over 50 have doubled. And those are for people that have been married on an average of 30 years. And quite frankly, if you want to talk pandemic, I don't even want to think about when this is all over, what COVID is going to have done to some of what we thought were the most secure marriages. I've had that conversation with a bunch of financial services professional friends of mine, divorce attorney friends, and then also a divorce or just therapist friends of mine. And they're all expecting a tsunami is what they're expecting. Just because when, yeah, just be, this has been such an amazingly stressful time, uh, no matter where you are on the spectrum of understanding or belief, it doesn't matter the reality of it. It's been very, very stressful. And so that's, that's another magnificent reason why you should reach out here because there is going to be more, there's going to be more issues in relationships if you're not already seeing them already. And especially downloading uh, this, this PDF that, that Allison has created and finding out more, reading the book, uh, engaging her and helping you be better at having these conversations just seemed to make an enormous amount of sense to me. 
Allison, this was super fun. You have been a magnificent guest, and I greatly, greatly appreciate your thought leadership. We will make sure that we send everybody to isurvived.info, which is the website. Uh, Please make sure that you follow her on social media. She's also got a blog that you can sign up for. Uh, But we will make sure that we have the PDF in the show notes so that our guests and our our guests, our listeners can go ahead and, and download that. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Matt. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. If you have any questions or ideas that you think we should cover between Kirk and myself, or if you have a guest idea, please make sure that you email me, Matt, at topadvisorm, and that M is for marketing.com. And finally, if you are a financial advisor who has a podcast, I want you to consider something very quickly. We have a podcast coaching system that will not only help you be better behind the mic, but be a better business person by using your podcast as marketing. Allison is a perfect example of somebody that you would interview uh, later down in your podcast journey to show your willingness for that new information and providing your clients and prospects and centers of influence with a great resource to help through, help them through or their family and friends through a very difficult time. If you want to know more about the podcast stuff that we do, please make sure that you just reach out to me too, Matt at Top Advisor M. I'd love to talk to you about it. But for Allison Jeffries and all of us here at Top Advisor Marketing, We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.